that's the beauty of photography. It makes us reflect and it makes us remember where we've come from and what the purpose of our journey is. And it puts us in a space of gratitude for what people have taught us and all those little seeds that strangers on the street have planted in our hearts is later on. That was Emery Hall, photographer, filmmaker, and world traveler, and this is the Running on Ohm podcast. Have you been to runningonohm.com recently? If so, you'll see that I've got a total makeover to the site done by Ethan Wright McGoon of Bent Forks, but the backdrop of the homepage, there's a video of a girl running, yep, that scrolls me, but the company who filmed the video, they're the ones who captured the essence of running on Ohm. That company is Dooster Film, today's podcast sponsor. Dooster Film is a video and photo studio based down both coasts, Boston and San Francisco, founded by Ryan Skura and Dylan Lads. Ryan and Dylan make documentary-style short films. They've created outdoor adventure fitness films for companies like New Balance and for the fitness movement November Project, which I had one of the co-founders, Brogan Graham, on Running on Ohm this past summer, episode number 143 to be exact, if you want a good laugh. I couldn't recommend Dooster Film enough. They're professional, innovative, and have a stunning aesthetic. If you or your company wants to create a brand identity video or a portrait, look no further than Dooster Film. And if you want to feel inspired just by some incredible nature and outdoor fitness cinematography, visit www.dooster.tv. Now, on to our show. Hey everyone, if this is your first time tuning into Running On and Welcome, and if this is your 167th time, welcome back. I'm your host, Julia Hanlon, and Running on Ohm is more than just a podcast about running and yoga. It's conversations with wellness pioneers who explore the mind-body connection through different mediums. From actors, meditators, musicians, authors, entrepreneurs, Olympic gold medalists, chefs to surfers, I believe that the stories of the people that I bring on for all of you every week can change your life. Now, you may recognize today's guest, Emery Hall, her last name. Well, actually, just a few podcasts ago, her husband, musician Trevor Hall, was featured on episode number one. 164. And that conversation, we dive deep into the spiritual practice of playing music. But today is with Emery, and we also focus on the spiritual path, but the spiritual path of traveling the world. Six years ago, Emery's journey as a travel photographer and visual journalist began when she traveled to Nepal for the first time. She'll share with us about her time in Nepal, and wherever she went in Nepal, whether it was the desert plains to the isolated villages in the high Himalayas, her camera was on her neck and her outlet for capturing the beauty of the world. That trip catapulted Emery into a spiritual path where she's traveled to India, Turkey, Taiwan, Thailand, Australia, and Indonesia, and had her camera with her the entire way. In 2010, when studying in India, Emery met her husband, Trevor Hall, and Emery's going to share with you guys the powerful meeting story. For the past two years, Emery's traveled with Trevor around the world as his creative director, designing the artwork for his past two musical albums, creating his website and merchandise lines, directing and producing many of his music videos, interviews, album trailers, and more. I had the joy of sitting down with Emery before Trevor's show in Boston. As you may notice, this interview is a lot shorter than most of my Running on Own podcasts, and this was because the concert was actually fast approaching. And as you'll hear in the interview, there was a sound check that started to happen towards the end of our conversation, so it got cut a little bit short. Now, Emery has humility, grace, and warmth that I know you're going to feel through the earbuds. Be prepared to think about traveling in a new way, as a spiritual path that you can embody in your everyday life. You don't need to go to the remote villages of Nepal to see the world. Emery will share insight on practicing teachings from around the world in your day-to-day life. If this conversation with Emery moves you, reach out and let me know you tuned in, whether it's a tweet, Facebook post, Instagram comment, or email. To know that these stories are impacting your life makes my day every time I hear from one of you. Thank you for choosing to tune into Running on Ohm, and let's dig in together to today's conversation with Emery Hall. 
We were just talking about him the whole drive here, actually, because I just finished By His Grace. Have you read that? Yes. Oh, my God. I was like, because in the, in the final chapters, right, Maharaji leaves his body. And I was like, oh, my God, I was in the van in front of all the boys, like tears <laughs> rolling down my cheeks. It's just so, so beautiful. Maharaji, yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's really special. Yeah. And you've, you know, you've been on the road with them the entire time. Yes. And is it all guys and you? And- yes, it is. It is. They're great guys. They're super clean and sweet and lovely, but it's always me and the boys. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And last summer when Trevor did the Soul Shine tour with Michael Franti and stuff, we were sharing a tour bus with Soja's crew. And so it was 11 boys and me on a tour bus for an entire summer to 35 cities. <laughs> it was so crazy. Yeah. So how do you bring, like, you know, that divine feminine? I mean, I feel like you embody that. But, like, mm-hmm. do you feel even more of a responsibility to bring that kind of mother energy? Yes, very much so. I feel like it naturally just kind of comes out. But I feel, um, you know, as a woman naturally, I just – I think I – tend to want to take care of the boys or make sure they're like, you know, eating well or everybody's gotten food or everybody's like, you know, settled or something. It's so funny. I think my motherly, whatever nature has kind of come out so much from being on the road and trying to be a little bit of a caretaker to not only Trevor, but to everyone around me, because they're all such sweet people doing such amazing work. And the road is so tough on them. So it's nice to kind of help them in whatever way I can while they're working. Totally. Yeah. So how do you fill your own cup up though? Because I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of output. So where's the input coming in? Uh, Yeah. It's really crazy because on the, the road is, balance is kind of almost non-existent on the road. You know, it's very hard to be balanced in anything, whether it's sleeping or eating or, or the energy that you're putting out. You're, it's not often reciprocated. Right. Um, but you know, I do it through my art and I do it through um, my photography. And, and over the past few months, especially, I've kind of been diving back into that and sifting through images that I've collected over many years of traveling abroad. And just to like revisit those places that I've traveled to and to um, like focus in and hone in on my like artistic creativity with the photography, I finally feel like oh, wow, I I am, like, refilling my cup because my focus has kind of shifted. Not that I'm, like, leaving the road or leaving them, but I'm I'm trying to seek more of a balance, actually, you know. um, And to pursue almost your own own art form because right now you are kind of like a – you're someone who's lifting up their art form. Right. But to get to kind of really dive into your own passion must be really grounding. It is, it is. You know, for the past – Two years, starting with Chapter of the Forest, Trevor's first album that um, he did when we were together, um, I pretty much just naturally fell into the role. I was, I did all the artwork for Chapter of the Forest, Unpack Your Memories, and Kala, and um, I, you know, I built his website, I did his social media, the I did all of his merchandise. Unreal. Thank you. And the chapter, like the chapter videos oh, for Chapter of the right, Forest, right. I watched every single one of them. Oh, oh my, my gosh. god, that was that was just an honor to like be sitting there in that room and in that space with him because it was just so intimate. It was just him and I, you know, and I felt like he really opened up during that. Um, But yeah, so it's been, I've spent the past couple years really uplifting his work and his art form and it's been a beautiful collaboration. But now I just feel like 
you know, the planets have kind of shifted and, and I'm really starting to focus more on um, the art that has sort of been sitting and waiting to be created and extended um, for the past couple of years, just as I've kind of put it aside and worked on Trev's stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So photography is something that you have documented a lot of your travels and your journey around the world. And I know Nepal is a place that's really sacred to your heart. Yes. When did you first go to Nepal and what drew you there? I, you know, it's, it's funny because Maharaji kind of arranged everything, right? When I was, I was an English major at um, CU Boulder and a kid came into my class one day with Be Here Now by Ram Das, And I was like, what is this book? And it just like, you know. The pictures. Yes. I mean, oh, my God. It was a mental like explosion, heart opening moment. Um, and that was like the seed that got, you know, just planted. And um, it took maybe two years after that. Um, I was just kind of like I didn't really know where I was like going in life. Like I was like, I'm an English major, but I don't know exactly what I want to do with that. And um I just felt like college in America wasn't like fulfilling me in the way that I felt like life in the world could fulfill me. And um, I was taking a class on Hinduism um, and Buddhism and this type of like philosophical class. And it just like hit me one day and I like walked in the door and I told my mom, I was like, mom, I'm going to India. And she was like, yeah, okay, like, whatever. And then fast forward, like, three months later, I was, like, on a plane to Nepal. Just so happened that the program that I found, um, after finding out what my interests were, which were much more, like, outdoor nature hiking, I wanted to be in, like, the Himalayas, the program that they were running um, that was more environmental was in Nepal. So it was just Maharaji's grace that I went there first. And I fell so in love with it. That was back in 2010. That I um, I spent three months there and then flew back and spent two weeks figuring out how I could go back and got on a plane and hopped back on the plane and went right back and finished out the year there. And yeah. what kind of studies or life did you have in Nepal? Were you living with a family there? Right. Were you living with other students? Um, both. Um, mainly I was living with this family in a very like um, traditional kind of mud home within the city of Kathmandu. Um, and, uh, you know, they didn't speak a word of English. So I learned Nepali very quickly because you just had to, you know, to survive. And, um, and I was also living with students just depended on, you know, where we were and whatever. But in, with my base in Kathmandu, I was with that family alone. And then um, I did a lot of a lot of different studies. I studied at a Tibetan um, monastery called Kopan Monastery. And I went into retreat there for 10 days and took like a vow of silence. And that was one of the most profound experiences of my life for sure. Um, but I think my, my love for Nepal and that, you know, part of the world really got solidified when um, I went on a pilgrimage to Kanchenjunga to the base camp. It's the it's the third highest mountain in the world, right? And it, we took a month. It took a month for us to get there. It was a very long journey. And um, every night we spent a night in a different village and a different home or sleeping outside and in tents and in tea houses. Um, and I was just like, I couldn't believe that I stumbled on, stumbled upon that, something that, um, that beautiful and pure and 
um, I was just like, these people live so far out there with so little. I mean, so little. And they like, I mean, I walked into homes and the mother and father of the home like laid out their own bed for me, the only bed that they had. And they cooked me meals. And I remember one time I had a fever because I had tried to wash my hair. And then I, the, you know, it got so freezing. And this, this mother in this home in this Tibetan village, Sherpa village, like she laid my head down on her lap and like pet my head by the fire for like two hours. And I had just walked into their village like an hour before. And I was just like, what like, where, why are we missing this back in the West? Like, this is what I feel like we're all missing back People here in America. People were just treating you like they were, you, you were their daughter, you were their family. Oh my God. It was just like, even with my family in Kathmandu, like, there was, there was an openness and a love and a just like natural just bringing in of a stranger and just like, oh, like, you're my, you're my daughter, you're my sister. I mean, in Nepal, you call even like the, the men who drive the buses or your cashier or whatever you call them, Didi or Dai, which means brother or sister, you know. Um, that's, that was like when I was kind of confused about where I was going in life and I was, I was looking for something like that you know, something where people are just so open and loving. And um, I found it in the Himalayas, really. And then I imagine for you getting to look at photos now of those people is almost these, these little reminders of, totally. of that space. Yes. Of that time and of the, just the total grace, it sounds like, that you experienced there. Yeah, it just... You know, I think I think we forget like really easily where we've come from. Like I, I often like find myself like thinking like, wow, I can't believe like I was there and I did that. Like, you know, I was at like 17,000 feet, like in a Nepali village, like so far out. Like, and I just don't remember that in my day to day. And then that's the beauty of photography. Yes. You know, because it it, it makes us reflect and it makes us remember, you know, where we've come from and what the purpose of our journey is. And it, it puts us in a space of gratitude for what people have taught us and all those little like seeds that like strangers on the street have planted in our hearts to like use later on, like that wisdom. It's just, yeah, that's photography, if anything, is just, that's why it's so beautiful because it, it's a continuation of the journey. Like the journey just didn't end. Like I'm still on that journey, like, five years later when I'm looking at my photos now on the big screen, like, oh my God, the journey continues, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. It totally continues. And then by sharing those photos with other people, you're welcoming them into that journey yes. because they're going to have their own interpretation and experience of it. And it's going to bring to mind different things with them. I just think that's what's so beautiful. As I saw on your Instagram, some pictures of your framed prints you were saying in Wanderlust. Yes. Yes. Um, and, I was just like, that's so cool because for people, I like, I looked at one of those pictures and it was of some Indian sadhus and it brought to mind like a, a class I took on Hinduism at college. Right. And my professor did some work, you know, with sadhus and it just, the amount of associations that can come to mind from that visual representation can go so much deeper than you even know. Yes, very much so. I think I, you know, I interpret the images in one way and I have my own memories and feelings tied to them. But the beautiful part is watching other people witness them and experience them and react to them. And therefore the journey just deepens, right? Because 
you like things that I didn't notice in the photo or like, wow, like they dress like that. Like why? And then I, it makes me think deep, more deeply about them or, or that place or that moment in time or those people. Um, and that's what I feel like, um, you know, makes the journey come full circle really, because, you know, we go out and we experience the world and we take photographs, but what are those photographs if they're just sitting on a hard drive? Right. Yeah. Like, we need to, so much of my life and my journeys have been inspired by photographs that, you know, other photographers have taken. And I'm like, man, I want to go there. Or like, I want to see that. Or like, how do I get there, you know? And I just hope that, you know, seeing a photo of a sadhu maybe inspires somebody to go to Nepal, you know, and, and to go out and see the world and realize that the world is so vast and so beautiful and there's so much to learn. You know. Did you always have that kind of understanding or that curiosity, that fire within you as a young girl? I mean, being from Connecticut, it's not like you're walking down the street and seeing sadhus or right. people praying. Like there's the sense of spirituality is not ever present right. in the American culture, at least in the Northeast, I found. Right. I definitely feel yes, I definitely feel like it was it was always there. When I was when I was a really young girl, my sister passed away when I was eight years old. Wow. And through that experience, I feel like, you know, my whole world was shattered. And at eight years old, I think I even found myself being like, okay, wait, like, what is this all about? Wow, like, life is so precious. And what are we really doing here? And what is what is the purpose? And, you know, all these things like angels and heaven and all these words started entering into my vocabulary, into the vocabulary of people around me. And it just kind of made me stop and made me think, right, and search for something deeper. And then um, I think that search manifested in my I like when I was in like eighth grade I went and lived on in Hawaii for like a month and and camped and surfed and then I fell in love with camping and surfing and living like a really rugged lifestyle so the next summer I went and lived the whole summer in Costa Rica and that was when I, before I was like 15 you were years such old a seeker. yeah I was such a seeker and and it's always been through travel like just meeting new places and meeting new people for me is is where I'm just like, oh my God, I'm in such a beautiful space. I love I love people and I love seeing how other people see the world and learning from that. And the know? world, yeah, the world is your temple. Totally. And oh my you God. You met Trevor, I know, abroad in India. Yes. What was that encounter like? Had you ever heard of him or did you know him before you met him? Yes. Um, you know, his music was a huge part of the healing process for me from my sister's death and from the kind of grief that followed you know for many years and still does after you know her passing like his music was just like it was almost like an answer I was like oh my god yes somebody else gets it and he his music affected my whole family right and we were my family would always go to his shows but I was always traveling um and we met very briefly like very briefly you know in Connecticut out, out outside of one show, but really the first time we connected was in India. And that was an interesting place to meet, you know, your future husband because it was not at all romantic because we were in a Hindu ashram, right? So there's no like, there's no room for romanticism. I was, I was truly going to like step into his world because I saw through his music that he had found something really special. And I was like, man, I want a piece of that or I want to see what that is. And, um, I'm sure I'd be so confused as to, like, why I was there or who I was. You're just, like, kind of going so with wait, it. So, wait, you knew he was at that ashram? Yes. So, you're like, hey, I'm going to go visit it and see if I can just hang yes. out and get to know him? Well, he, um, 
Him and my mom had been talking for a while because my family, my like little sister had this like inspiration to have bake sales at her school to help with the ashram in India to help raise money for the kids, right? So through that, him and my mom kind of established a really sweet relationship. Which That's is amazing. so funny, right? So when when Trev saw my mom outside of the show, she was like, Oh, you know, my daughter's going to India. Like maybe you guys can link up. So I like really randomly, I was like, there's, you know, this is never gonna happen, but I'm just gonna shoot him an email and say I'm in India studying and if you're here, like I would love to connect with you and see the ashram. And um he responded. And he was like, I guess he, he told me later that he went and asked the guru of the ashram and said, oh, Guruji, like this girl wants to come, but, you know, she she's a fan of my music and I've never invited a fan into this space. Should she come? And he was like, yes, yes, she should come, you know. And um, and I came and, and when I first arrived, we were in the car driving back to the ashram because he picked me up at the train station and there was a monk with us. And the monk said, oh, like, how long are you staying for? And I was like, oh, I'm only staying for one night. And he was like, let me see your train ticket. And he took my train ticket and he ripped it in half. And he said, no, you're not staying for only one night. <laughs> so I ended up staying for like three days. But, you know, it was all just, it was an amazing meeting. And our Guruji told us later, because we went back exactly a year later, and that's where he proposed to me. And my Guruji, <laughs> my Guruji said, you know, he told Trevor that when I walked in, he said, I knew she would be your wife, but I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to put pressure on you to make the relationship something that you didn't know that it was yet. So it was a, it was a really, I mean, to me at, in India, but especially at the place where we met, which is the meeting point of Three Rivers, right? It's like one of they, the yogis believe that that place, they call it like Prayag. It's the king of all holy places. It's like, geographically they believe it's our third eye you know it's a meeting place of rivers and people and 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 our life and our relationship and so from those three days i imagine you know it was a pretty intense three days meeting yes how did it then evolve into you know a year later returning back and being married was it like you kept in touch throughout that year or saw each other yeah it's actually it's such a crazy story like three days after i left the ashram after I went for the first time and met him, right? Um, I ended up getting very, very sick. And I was in the hospital in India for 12 days, and then they evacuated me out of India. I was very close to dying. And his, my mom ended up reaching out to Trevor and saying, hey, I don't know if you've like heard from Emery since she's been at the ashram, but I just wanted to let you know that she got very sick and she got flown home from India. And actually through my sickness this like conversation started and he was like oh my god like I can't believe that happened and um you know the link kind of just continued through that and um we ended up seeing each other at um a show in Florida of all places when I was recovering after being home from India because it took me about a month to recover from that and um then I think he told me later that after that show, he Facebook stalked me and was like, <laughs> this is, this girl is actually kind of cool. <laughs> and, um, we kept the link and, uh, I actually got him in touch later on with a doctor who had totally saved my life when I got home from India. And that doctor had found a lot of parasites that he had had from India that he had no idea about. Um, and that, 
that just kind of like that's why he came and stayed at our place and when he came and stayed at our house to see that doctor we kind of just like fell in love <laughs> wow it sounds like there was a lot of divine intervention going yes, on yes it's a it's such an elaborate story but yeah just so much grace so much grace and so many weaving yes. of different stories and parts that had to come together at the right time yeah very much so very much so and I know this album, Kala, for Trevor, and the story you guys are going on, really the essence of it is, you know, the spirit of time. Right, right. What does that mean to you in your own life and in your own spiritual practice? Oh, my gosh, so much. Um, you know, I think, I think I had, like, a really, obviously with the passing of my sister and stuff, I had a really, um, like, tumultuous childhood. It was just, like, there was so much you know, hurt and, and grief and, you know, it took my family a long time to recover from that. And I think I kind of, I was going in a, in a strange direction in my life where I was just like, I, I didn't like have a, I didn't feel like I had any solid ground for a while. And, um, and when I met Trevor, all of a sudden I felt like I was standing on like solid ground for the first time in my life because he was such a stable partner for me. And I'd never had that, you know, because I, I think from such a young age, I, I just started to like not trust the world to like take care of me. Cause I was like, man, you hurt me so much. Like you took my sister and, and you've like caused so much pain for my family, like universe, like I don't trust you. And then all of a sudden here comes Trevor and like, he's just this like foundation of trust and strength. And, um, and I think once we met, like I've just realized in the passing of like time over the course of like the past three years that we've known each other, like you can't rush your healing for sure. But I have like, you know, it's taken three years and I feel like I've come so far just with time, just with the grace of time and with Trevor having entered my life. And, um, I realized that like healing does take a lot of time, but if you are just, if you have the the knowledge that it's always coming and every day you're growing and every day the wounds are being repaired and um, every day you're growing stronger, I feel like, man, you can just, you can, like he said, you can just kind of like surrender and lay it all down. Just be like, okay, like I'm on my journey. It's, I'm going where I'm meant to be going. There's no rush. There's no push. There's no pull, you know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was really beautiful. Yeah. That was really, really powerful. Yeah. Over this, you know, over this time when you've been on tour, what for you has just stood out as a moment either it was with the crew and the tour bus being mama or right. getting to watch him. That's just a moment you just don't want to forget. Or maybe something you've captured actually, you know, with your own camera that you're like, wow, this is, I want to return to this five years from now looking at it and oh just be God. like, Wow. You know, for me, it's kind of like the little moments. It's always like the, like, just recently, because I took some time off from the road to, you know, work on my photography, and I just came back, and I think I was just, you know, I've, I'd been on the road for, like, almost two years straight, so I just kind of, you get jaded, and you forget to, like, see everything as it, like, really is. And just in the past couple of days, I've been, like, you know, standing in the middle of the gas station with all the boys kind of walking the aisle doing the same, like, oh, my God, what, what you know, crap food I'm going to eat today, you know, or like standing at soundcheck and listening to them. Like, I'm just like, oh my God, like, I can't believe 
like this is my life and I get to like be surrounded by music which is just such an amazing thing. Like, it's not like, I don't think it's been one moment. It's just like a, a series of little moments. And I'm like, wow, I'm with people who come from all different walks of life, who are bound by the beauty of music and by the power of music. And we're traveling the world and we're, we're traveling this beautiful country and we're, we're seeing so many cool places and meeting so many cool people. And what other job? allows you to do that. I mean, it's such a rare gift that, you know, your work can become something that beautiful. You know what I mean? Your work can become your play, your spiritual practice. Totally. Oh my God. It's really, it's really an amazing thing. It's just the little moments. It's the little things where I'm just like looking around at everybody, you know, in the hustle and bustle of a sound check or stopping at a little gas station. I'm like, wow, this is like, this is so cool. This is a gift. Yeah, totally. I'm so, I feel so grateful to be a, a part of it and just to watch it and to see every night how much the music affects people. You know? yeah, yeah, it really, really does. What What are you looking forward to kind of after this is over, whether it's, you know, returning to your own practices in a deeper way? Or- I think, you know, in January, I'm planning to go back to Nepal, actually. And, um... I um I I think you know we've been on the grind for a little bit like getting Kala out was a big thing for both him and I and um then then there was the tour and then this winter is really kind of manifesting as a time to kind of dig back in get our hands back in the earth into our spiritual practice and you know one of my teachers said that you know to advance in your sadhana and your spiritual practice you need routine right and the road does not allow for that. So I, I'm so excited for just the simple, like, being able to sit every morning in meditation for more than 15 minutes, you know. But also in January, I plan to go back to Nepal. And I'm not exactly sure how the tri- trip is going to manifest yet. But um, there's this one village that I photographed, um, like, five years ago. And um, all 75 homes in the village were destroyed in the recent earthquake. And my friends are doing a, um, they're leading a um, kind of a recovery project there. And I really want to go help um, document that for them so they can, you know, therefore raise funds via social media and stuff. And I want to see the families again and I want to deliver them more photos that I took of them. And um, I also really want to dig back into my Nepali because it's gotten so bad. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to just you know, focusing on both my spiritual practice and deepening my work in Nepal. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of goodness is yes. to come. Yes. To wrap up our time together, I'd love for you to just offer up an inquiry for listeners. Maybe it's a question mm-hmm. you ask yourself every day or a mantra or something you just like to people to kind of sit with and think about. Mm. I don't, this is just the first thing that came to mind, but um, Trev and I talk about it a lot. I feel like um, sometimes in life for like for spiritual people who are on the path, right, we can get caught up in like the little like kind of routines of spirituality and like the um, like the religiosity of it and and like, oh, am I doing this right or am I saying this mantra right or am I sitting in meditation right or am I you know, um, am 
am I doing enough spiritual work or whatever? And we get hard on ourselves and we judge ourselves. And um, I feel like, you know, it's really important when you're on the path to stop and to sit and just to be like, what is this all about, right? Like, what is the purpose of our spiritual life? Is it, you know, is it meant to be doing like, the most elaborate like meditation pujas yeah that's like a you know that's a high place to be but just to remember that it's just all about being a good person and for loving everybody and for serving everybody and for feeding everybody like that is the purpose of being on the spiritual path and we get so caught up in all the little things and, and the identities that we want to try and fit in and you know the spiritual identities but it's not about that at all you know and so I guess I would just offer up people for people just to, you know, whoever's on the path, we're all on some path, just to reflect on, like, what is the, what is the purpose of all of it? What is the end goal? And what's it all about? Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Emily, Thank for your you time. Thank you so much. Yes. It was a, a true blessing. gift. Yes. Jai Ma. Don't you wish that interview had lasted longer? I know I did, but I was also really grateful that I got to see Trevor Hall perform live just minutes after we finished recording. If you want to see Emery's photography and get daily doses of her inspiration on her stunning Instagram, easy to remember, at Emery Hall. Now, Emery's insight moved me to see the spiritual path of traveling around the world in my everyday life. If you want to see, watch, hear the amazing work of Emery Hall, check out her husband Trevor Hall's YouTube channel for some of her stunning music videos she filmed and produced. And now, after hearing all about the power of photography from Emery, maybe it made you realize you need to capture your life, your company, your family, where you live. Look no further than Dooster Film. Dooster Film is a video and photo studio based on both coasts, Boston and San Francisco. Co-founders Ryan and Dylan make documentary-style short films with a passion for outdoor adventure and fitness films, which companies like New Balance and fitness movements like November Project have hired. Dooster Film is professional, innovative, and they have a stunning aesthetic. So if you or your company wants to create a brand identity video or portrait, check out www.dooster.tv to see their incredible work and get plugged in. Before I sign off for today, two important things to ask. Last month, I launched a new runningonohm.com. I'm super stoked about the new site, and I'm so grateful to my designer, Ethan Wright McGoon of Bentforks.com, for all his hard work and creativity. So if you want to be the first to know about Running on Ohm releases of podcasts, blog entry, or delicious plant-based recipe, all you have to do is subscribe to be on the Running on Ohm email list on runningonohm.com, and I'm also going to send out some exclusive Rue discounts on the Rue email list, so get aboard the Rue train on runningonohm.com right now. Now, my second and final ask for today is that you share this podcast with one person. Maybe you tell your running buddy, your best friend, your office mate, your mailman, your dog, who knows? I need your help in spreading the word about running on OM. And whether it's a tweet, Instagram, comment, Facebook post, or email, reach out to me. Let me know you tuned in and share this conversation with just one person who's ready to embark upon the spiritual path of traveling the world. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Running on OM. Deep gratitude to each and every one of you. Yes, you. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a rue-filled day.